Today's reading is from John 1, verse 1 to 80. Hear the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Well, a good morning, a very good morning to you all, and a warm welcome to Christ Church Midland. Thank you for joining us uh, this morning as we have our pre-recorded um, sermon. My name is David, If in case you are new to um, Christ Church Midland, and I'm one of the ministers here um, uh, at the church. Can you believe it? Uh, this is the last sermon for 2020. What a year this has been. Uh, it has been a challenge uh, for many of us. It's, it, it felt like we've been punched in the stomach consistently, uh, and yet in spite of all of that, um, there's many things to give thanks to God for. Um, there's never been a better time than now to uh, consider God uh, and turn to Him. Now, before we turn to Him uh, uh, in His Word, I uh, uh, just want to warn you this morning uh, that the sermon has a bit of a Christmas theme. And I know we are out of Christmas. I know we are anticipating Friday, uh, 11 o'clock, as we usher in uh, the new year. Um, but uh, I also know that you don't have your Christmas decoration down, uh, so we can still talk about um, Christmas. I know that food lovers still has the gammon on their shelves, uh, and so Christmas is still up in um, in the air. So I, con- I decided to continue with that theme of Christmas. And this morning, I want us to think about the difference that Jesus brings uh, to our lives, the difference that Jesus brings. And the title of today's message is The God Who Came to Give Us Life. The God Who Came to Give Us Life. And so, as we get into God's Word, I, I, I hope that you'll have uh, that passage open to us, John um, chapter 1. I'm going to pray for us, uh, and I'm going to pray for God to help us as we hear from Him uh, and as we uh, find encouragement from His Word. So let's bow your heads wherever you are. Um, as we uh, pray to God. Father, thank you uh, for your goodness. Thank you that uh, you have been with us throughout this year, um, that although we've faced many challenges, uh, we can look to you and find hope in you. And I pray that this sermon would be a message of hope uh, to somebody uh, who might be hopeless, uh, to rekindle our affection for Jesus 
uh, and to live uh, and anticipate um, uh, the, a hopeful life um, uh, for 2021. Uh, please help us as we get into your word. Uh, please um, assist me to speak with clarity uh, and with conviction. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, so 2010, that's 10 years ago, was quite a special year for me in, in so many ways. Um, I still remember it was my first year on the plane uh, as I landed onto Cape Town, which was going to be my home for the next uh, three years. I still remember the excitement of starting a new journey as a Bible college student. Uh, a friend of us came to pick us up from the airport, uh, and we took the Mitchell's Plane route, uh, and we drove next to the sea for quite some time. I still remember looking through the window, uh, seeing the wind, uh, and smelling from the car the ocean. It smelled fresh, and it smelled like new beginnings. Uh, this was to be my home for the next um, three years. Um, I remember for the three years I was there, one of the most memorable times was the hike up Lion's Head. It was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen. The most beautiful sunset uh, uh, on top of um, Lion's Head. Uh, on this particular occasion, we saw the sun uh, setting on the one side and the moon rising uh, on the other. As we came down from uh, Lion's Head, uh, you looked through, it was quite dark at this time uh, of the night, and I, I could see over Cape Town uh, the sea of lights that covered the city. It was the most breathtaking thing ever. Although I'm afraid of heights, I would say that those were the, this, those, that was the most memorable um, time um, of um, being in Cape Town. It was the Instagrammable, what I call the Instagrammable side of Cape Town. Now, you may not know this, but there is another side to Cape Town, uh, the real side of Cape Town. Uh, and if I don't know if you ever thought of it. Um, if you look at those lights uh, as you in any city, uh, every single light represents something. Every single light represents um, that there's people living there who need to see. Uh, there's people who are uh, living there who need the light to see um, as it is dark. So every light is rep a representative of someone's brother, someone's mom, um, a spouse, a colleague. Uh, every light represents a migrant worker who's come into Cape Town looking for a better life. Um, every uh, light represents a young man uh, who's working in the navies or a young man who's probably not working, uh, who's got rich parents, who went to bishops, and who's living off of his parents. Uh, every light represents an accountant uh, who's climbing up the corporate ladder. And if you were to zoom into those people's lives, no doubt I think you will experience and see a lot of brokenness um, that those people experience. Uh, you'll see, no doubt, if you zoom into their lives, a lot of racial divisions, economic injustices, all sorts of immorality in Cape Town. If you were to zoom into and Google drop into Musenberg Street and walk through those streets uh, in back in those days, you'll see prostitutes and pimps on Church Street, uh, drug addicts and drug houses. Uh, there's, there was this building called the Dom Pepe building. 
Uh, you'd see mothers raising their kids on their own. Um, in fact, um, it was a life uh, of brokenness. Uh, on the one event, on one one evening, uh, I remember hearing gunshots just outside uh, and close to where our, our residence. Uh, and an older man had shot a homeless person just outside of a, rest, uh, a supermarket. And life went on as if nothing had happened. Uh, on one occasion, we saw a 30-year-old guy beating up his girlfriend. And when we approached him and challenged him, he said, no, it's okay, it's fine, guys. There's no need to worry. Uh, this is my girlfriend. I'm almost saying that it's okay what I'm doing because she belongs um, to me. If you were to zoom into people's lives who live in any city, you'll see that there's loneliness, uh, there's abuse, there's depression and poverty, injustice of all sorts of types, dysfunctional families, and on and on and on the list goes. Not the kind of side that you want to put on Instagram, is it? Uh, or show to any of the visitors who would come to Cape Town. Uh, you see, Cape Town, like Jobek, or like any other place in this country, is a place filled with brokenness and darkness. South Africans, just like any other people living in this uh, planet called Earth, uh, uh, live um, with this determination um, to remove God uh, from the picture. And because this is impossible to do, uh, we are determined uh, to live as though this was true, to live as though it was true, that we can look, take God out of the picture and live a proper lives. Uh, now, this uh, picture that I'm dis- uh, describing to you, uh, this picture of uh, the real world that you and I live in, is not so far off from the picture of the world that Jesus came into, um, a world that Jesus was born into. The same things that are happening now, were happening in the time of Jesus. In the time of Jesus, there were social injustices. There were politicians stealing money from the poor to enrich themselves. Um, there was abuse. Uh, there was people abusing. There were people abusing power. There was a lot of immorality, hatred, and pain. Uh, it was a world of darkness. Yes, it had signs of life about it. Uh, signs of economic uh, activity, signs of laughter and joy. Yes, those things were there, but it was a place without true life. Uh, well, at least the, the life that God had intended uh, for us to live. And so in the opening chapter of, of uh, John, uh, this account of the life of Jesus, the gospel according to John, John wants us to know that the Christian story is a story of God, a God who came to give us life. Um, it is a story. He wants us to know that the Christian story is about the God who came to give us life. That the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, is the same God who broke into our world uh, and who came to give us the life, uh, the life that we were intended to live. Let me say that again, because that's the main point and the main takeaway of our text uh, today. That the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, broke into our darkness, uh, giving us the life that we were intended to live. Uh, so if you're following, if you're taking notes, wherever you are, 
uh, those would be also a, uh, there will be also a structure. Number one, we're going to see the God of the Christian story, the God who said, let light shine out of darkness. That's the first point. Uh, the second thing we're going to see is that this same God broke into our darkness. He broke into our darkness. The third thing and the last thing we will see uh, is that he came to give us life, the life that we were intended to live. John opens up his book, uh, his account of the life of Jesus with these words. Uh, I'm going to read from verses 1 to 3. I hope you're still following. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John gets right into it here in this few verses. You see, all the other accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, do not begin this way. All the other accounts begin with Jesus in a manger uh, down in the uh, dusty streets of Bethlehem. But John doesn't do that. Uh, John doesn't give us this picture of away in a manger, no crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down uh, his sweet head. He gets right into it here in this first few verses. He takes us back to the beginning of the Christian story. Uh, he takes us back to Genesis 1. Uh, and he says that this same God in Genesis 1 is uh, is the same God that we see uh, revealed in the Lord Jesus. Um, he does what theologians call uh, theology, or rather Christology, from above. Um, all the other Gospels, all the other accounts of the life of Jesus do Christology from below. In other words, they begin with the meek and mild Jesus uh, and the leaders uh, to, to, to point, they point us out, uh, to the fact that this Jesus is God. But John does the opposite. He does Christology from above. He tells us that Jesus is God. Jesus was there in Genesis 1. Um, and notice the words there. In the beginning, uh, these words have echoes of Genesis 1. Let me read for us Genesis 1. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis 1, uh, the beginning of the Christian story. It says, and again I'm going to read uh, three verses. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, listen to this, let there be light. And there was light. Verse 4, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Um, you see at the very beginning, we see this picture of the God who says, let there be light. The God who brings uh, chaos, or rather order out of chaos. Um, the God who uh, orders his world for human flourishing. Uh, he orders his world in such a way that human beings are at the pinnacle of his creation. Now, Notice verse 3, that this same God brings, in verse 3 of Genesis, he brings light out of darkness. Now the key thing um, that theologians point us to when you read Genesis uh, is that there's many things that are happening there, but the one thing we are meant to pick up from Genesis 1 is that God makes his dwelling among his people. Eden is set up 
like some kind of temple where God dwells with his people and his people dwell with him. One of the key things that we pick up from this garden imagery is God dwells among human beings. And it has to be a garden, you see, um, because um, you will know, uh, maybe you don't know, that in the ancient world, uh, their lives were not like our lives. Um, it was tough. They didn't have Jobek water to irrigate their crops. You couldn't pop into Food Lovers Market um, to go buy some food. Uh, so life was hard going. It was an agrarian society, and they didn't have Jobek water um, to irrigate their crops. It was hard to come uh, across uh, water. So a garden, um, a place where there was a lot of crop, uh, crops, where it was flourishing, uh, was only reserved for kings um, or the gods. Um, the place where the gods would be would be a place of abundance, a place like a garden, uh, where life was was uh, said to be uh, God's presence um, in Eden was a picture of abundance and provision. It was a good life. Um, that is what we see in Genesis one. And this good life, human beings were meant to live in live in Eden and to take this same good life and spread it uh, across the world. They were meant to take the life of Eden and distribute it uh, and export it uh, to the rest of the world. This is God's original plan as we read uh, in Genesis plan, Genesis 1. But we human beings had other plans. We uh, would see it fits that, man, I don't think God's way is correct. I think we should take matters into our own hand and live as we so we see please, uh, fit. Uh, Genesis 3, the beginning of the Christian story, tells us that you, tells us that humanity wanted to create their own order, wanted to order the world in the way that they wanted. Uh, and, and so that was the introduction of human rebellion. And I don't know if you know this, but no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter where you might be listening uh, this morning, you might be listening in, in exile in Cape Town, uh, good luck with uh, swimming at the beach. Uh, you might be listening uh, in Indonesia. Apparently, there are some people joining us from there. You might be listening uh, from the UK or, or right here in Midland. Wherever you are, whoever you are, whether black, white, or Indian, whether you are educated or not educated, rich or poor, middle class, upper, uh, um, upper middle class, or working class, Gen Z, millennial, uh, baby boomers or whatever category Martin fits into, whoever you are, you and I have this one thing in common. Uh, we are determined uh, and we have this relentless determination um, to live our lives as if God was not in the picture, to live our lives and to, to determine life in our own terms. We want to call the short and to be in charge of our lives. And we are drawn, all of us, to what John calls the darkness. Darkness is a rejection of God. And you and I, when we reject God, we see in Genesis chapter 3 uh, that God chucks his people away from his presence. And the whole of the Christian story is actually about God restoring his presence with his people. He restores his presence with his people. He doesn't come up with plan B, no. 
Uh, we see that in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, um, the Old Testament becomes the mobile Eden. Uh, the uh, tabernacle, if you were to read uh, the the architect architecture uh, of the tabernacle, it was it had a lot of garden imagery. It was to be a mobile Eden, a place where God would dwell with His people and among His people, filled with garden imagery. And as they conquer the promised land and as they enter the promised land after the time of David, uh, Solomon builds a temple and the temple where was to be a place where God would once again dwell with his people. Again, the interesting thing that you see there in the temple is that it's filled with garden imagery. It is a place where God establishes his presence. And as you continue to read the Christian story, uh, as Jesus steps into the picture, we hear these words from John chapter 1, verse 14. And John says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The, the term that uh, uh, John uses, the term dwell, um, is actually the term which means to tabernacle, to pitch a tent among his people. It is an allusion to the Old Testament time when God pitched his uh, tent among his people. So in other words, John says as Jesus stepped into the picture, it was God establishing his presence once again fully and in a better way through Jesus um, that when we look at Jesus, we would see what it means um, to live with God with us, with God among us. Um, I like how a hip-hop group um, that is called Beautiful Eulogy put it. They put it so uh, so beautifully, they said, Who is God that establishes dominion over minions and is moved with creativity and is decides to make men, the men in the image of him? With words, we were created and rather than having an understanding of gratitude, we became envious and hated him. And since God is compassionate, he, he condescended and became like us as a representative sent for the purpose to make atonement for his own elect and connect the most wretched of men to the throne room of divine architects. And so the ineffable, unapproachable God who invented the space in the human heart invaded, invaded space to reach the depths of the human heart. It's a beautiful words, isn't it? Um, that describe to us uh, the Christian story, that the, that the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, broke into our darkness. That leads us to uh, our second point. As uh, John explains to us uh, that God in Jesus broke into our darkness. John writes this concerning Jesus. Have a look at verse 4, if you still have your Bibles open. In him, that is in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. Now, one of the reasons I uh, love John's gospel, um, there's reasons why I like the different gospels, because they write differently. But one of the reasons I love um, John's gospel is that he writes like a guy from Rustenburg. And what I mean by that is that he uses everyday tangible language to explain the profound mysteries and profound realities of what God came to do. In our passage, he uses the picture of light and darkness uh, to explain who Jesus is 
and what he has come to do in our world. Notice in verse 4 that Jesus is the light. Um, and this light is the opposite of darkness. Light means life as God has intended it to be. If you read uh, John's gospel throughout, you notice that John uses the word life and eternal life interchangeably. Uh, eternal life is what uh, uh, Jesus came to bring about. I wonder this morning what you think about, what pops into your head when you think about eternal life. I wonder what, uh, uh, what you think of. Um, now, a couple of years ago, as I started ministry here at Christchurch Midrand, um, I had a privilege of teaching uh, 12-year-olds the Bible. Um, one of the things that I would do with every new class is that we would think about eternal life and what eternal life meant. And what I would do, I would do this exercise with them. I would hand them pieces of paper and a pen, and I would say to them, uh, please draw for me what you think heaven looks like. Uh, please draw for me what you think eternity will look like or eternal life. And without fail, every single one of them would draw uh, flying angels and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. And I think often when adults uh, think about eternal life, we often have a similar picture, a picture that we got out of a cartoon series or a movie um, it often pops into our heads that that's what eternal life or heaven would look like. Uh, but there's so much more to this life, this eternal life, uh, than what we often think. Uh, a New Testament scholar by the name of Bob Robert Yarborough uh, puts it like this. Uh, he defines eternal life this way. He says it's the divinely bestowed gift of blessedness in God's presence that endures without end. Let me say that again. A divinely bestowed gift of blessedness in God's presence that endures without end. This relates especially to the quality of life in this age and to both the quality and duration of life in the age to come. In other words, eternal life or life or light is being in the presence of God and receiving from God the kind of life that you and I were intended to live. A good quality of life, uh, the good life, it is the kind of life that begins here and now, uh, and not just when we die, uh, but that goes on for all of eternity. So that is the light that John is talking about, this light uh, that Jesus came to bring. And this light is the opposite, or rather the opposite of this light is obviously darkness. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. Um, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. When John refers to darkness, he's referring to the evil in our world, the evil that I described when I spoke about uh, the city of Cape Town and the city of Joburg. Uh, and not just evil, but a determination to live uh, in ignorance of God, not knowing God. Uh, chapter 3, verse 19, John describes this darkness this way. He says, and this is the judgment that light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. That is a picture of darkness. That is a picture of the world that you and I live in, uh, 2020, 
in a corona-stricken world. You see, the world is full of darkness. Uh, things are not okay. And the saddest thing is that you and I cannot do anything um, to sort out this darkness uh, that we find ourselves in. in. Uh, there is no hope for you and I. But the Bible message and the Christian story is that there is hope. Uh, and the hope of our world comes outside of this world. In fact, as you read on in chapter 1, you see that verses 6 and 7, we introduced to this uh, crazy man uh, called John the Baptizer. And John the Baptizer is crazy and he lives in the wild. He eats a whole lot of weird stuff. Uh, and he came telling people and uh, reminding them that, dark, that they're living in darkness and that true light was coming. Uh, he called people to turn away from their sins and their rebellions and align themselves with this light that was coming into the world. That was the message of John's gospel, that uh, Jesus was coming, that true light was coming, and that they ought to repent, change their way of life, um, their way of rebellion, and turn to God as their only king and the one who calls the shots in their lives. See, Jesus came into our life. True light broke into our darkness. Uh, an African theologian put it this way, uh, Augustine. He says, man's maker was made man, that he, the ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast, that the bread might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light sleep, the way be tired on its journey, that truth might be accused of false witness, that the teacher be bitten with whips, uh, the foundation of be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. That is uh, the difference that Jesus came to bring um, to us. Uh, that is the God of the Christian story, that this God who said, let light shine of dark, out of darkness, came and broke into um, our darkness. And as you read throughout um, the gospel, uh, you realize that when we speak about, whenever we speak about darkness and light, we're not speaking about um, conceptual things. When Jesus steps into the picture, we see him embodying what it means to be light. Uh, we see him interacting with sinful people, uh, people with a broken past, with uh, 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 a sexual history um, that is um, um, that is atrocious. Uh, we see him interacting with corrupt politicians. Uh, we see him uh, speaking truth to power and challenging religious people um, to not think that religion is the way out of darkness. Um, we see him healing blind people, um, and we see him giving us a taste of what it means to be in the presence of God. We see him casting out demons, although in John's gospel there is not a lot of that. Uh, in the other gospels, we see him casting out uh, demons to prove that he has power and has come to bring uh, light into darkness. We see him almost turning the society upside down, bringing God's presence to us and turning the world upside down. That is the picture of light breaking into a world just like ours. I like um, this book if you um, want to buy a book, there's one called The Hidden Christmas. It's by a guy called Tim Keller, one of my uh, favorite uh, pastors. And he speaks about this idea of Jesus 
um, bringing light into our world and shining in darkness. And this is what he has to say. He says that Jesus is the light, and maybe you've heard this quote before, because he brings a new life to us to replace our spiritual deadness, because he shows us the truth that heals our spiritual blindness, and because he is the beauty that breaks our addiction to money, sex, and power. Listen to this, because I think these are the most powerful words. And I saw them on the Gospel Coalition Africa website as well, on their Instagram. He is the light for us when all other lights go out. He is the light for us when all other lights go out. This same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, broke into our darkness, and he came to give us light. He came to give us the life that you and I were intended um, to live. Which brings us to our third and final point, um, that he came to give us life. See, often you and I can look at our, the state of our world, the state of our cities. Uh, we can cast our minds onto um, our workspaces, uh, and you can just be so excited that, man, at least I don't have to interact with those back-biting people at the office. At least I can just zoom, uh, mute them on a Zoom call. Uh, perhaps you look at your workplace and you think of your, those selfish, um, those greedy colleagues, and you think, man, they will never change. Uh, there is no hope for them. Maybe sometimes you're not just looking out, outside there. Maybe you look into your own life and your own struggle and grappling with sin, and you just think to yourself, man, I'll never change. There is no hope to my porn addiction. There is no hope uh, to my addiction to, to alcohol. There is no hope uh, to this endless toil um, that I'm having to feel. Sometimes maybe you watch News 24. Uh, some of us should watch the news less uh, because it brings us to dark places. Sometimes we look at the news and you think to yourself, man, this is such a dark place. There is no hope. Um, well, I would agree with you. Yes, it is a dark uh, place, but the message of uh, Christmas would remind us that the story, uh, there's more to the story than that. Um, that light has come into our world, that the story doesn't end there. Jesus came to restore the presence of God into our lives. He came to bring us close to God, and it makes all of the difference. He came to do so even when it cost him everything. Think of Jesus in all his glory that he would come to live among us, that he would come to breathe the very breath that he created, um, that we, uh, his creatures, would mock him, uh, would reject him and continue to reject him, continue to want to live lives in our own terms um, to such a point that we nailed him and crucified him on the cross. Um, the cross is a picture of ultimate darkness, um, ultimate rejection of God. Yet this same Jesus still came, and he came to break the bonds of sinful uh, human behavior. Uh, he came to break the bonds of darkness in our lives, and um, that uh, at Christmas time we are reminded uh, at this time of the year that no matter how dark things can get, um, Christmas message uh, reminds us that true light came into our world. 
Therefore, you and I can have hope. You and I can have hope. No matter how dark 2020 has been for you, uh, there is a hope that comes outside of this world. True light broke into our world. Now, that doesn't minimize our problems. That doesn't solve all of our, uh, our issues. Uh, that doesn't give answers to why we, our lives are the way they are. But it gives us a hope that you and I can cling to. And man, uh, it is times like this where we, more than anything, need something to hold on to, a hope to hold on to. And that hope is Jesus. That hope came outside of this world, broke into this world, into our mess, in, into our brokenness, um, to give us hope. Uh, that when we tend to Jesus, we can anchor our lives on this light that broke into our darkness. And I want to end off with this word as I ask you the question, uh, is that the kind of God that you worship? Is that the God that you worship? Let me end with this word uh, from the same song, Beautiful Eulogy. By the way, you should get them. Um, you should uh, stream their music. It's filled with uh, solid theological lyrics uh, put to good rhythms. Um, this is what they say about uh, this light that broke into our world. They say the intangible unseen light made visible to human sight through the incarnation and life of Christ, fulfilling the promise, faithful and flawless, the Son of God, living among the godless and the lawless, lost in sin's darkness, but he would shine regardless of man's infection and blind perception, rebellion and rejection. Jesus broke into our darkness. Jesus broke into your darkness and my darkness so that you and I can live with a true sense of hope. Uh, and this is the hope that I want you to live with um, as you look back at 2020. And as you look forward to uh, the coming year, um, that we don't know what it would bring, but there is a hope to cling to. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you not because uh, things are okay. We thank you um, because you, uh, despite our mess, despite our brokenness, um, you came. You came and broke into our world. You came to break the curse of sin uh, through your life and obedience, through your death on the cross. You broke the powers of darkness, nailing them to your cross, uh, you came back to life and you proved to us uh, that indeed you are the true light. The darkness cannot overcome you and it never did. So I do pray that we would finish this year with a sense of hope, um, a sense of trust that indeed you are the true light. Uh, that where all other lights fail, you are the only light that we can hold on to. I pray for someone who's not a Christian that as they listen in, they would want to make you the boss of their lives that you take charge uh, and direct the causes of their lives. Uh, help us, we pray, aid us, uh, and uh, as we go into the new year, that we would cling to Christ now more than ever. This we pray in his name and for our good. Amen and amen.